Ecce Ascendimus Jerusalemam. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today, Queen Quagesima Sunday, is the last Sunday of preparation for the beginning of Holy Lent. And we are given in the Divine Office and the Mass today an embarrassment of riches. There is so much. Where are we to begin in our repetition of the texts given us in the sacred liturgy today. How shall we turn them to prayer? How shall we hold them all in our hearts? The gospel begins with the most poignant prophecy of our Lord's passion. This is the liturgy's way of showing us where we are going, the destination we are given today in advance, a mysterious vision of the whole passion of the Lord. Jesus, speaking to the twelve, says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And this he says to us today. Behold, we, all of us, go up to Jerusalem. And all things shall be accomplished which were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man. The reference here is to all that it was given the prophets to announce concerning Jesus Christ. But I detect here, a special allusion to the 53rd chapter of the prophet Isaiah, which in its own way is an account of the passion of our Lord. And so in our reading, in our hearing, in our receiving of this part of today's gospel, we have to Hear it, read it, receive it through the 53rd chapter of the prophet Isaiah. And our Lord continues, for he, speaking of himself, for he shall be delivered to the Gentiles and shall be mocked and scourged and spit upon after they have scourged him, they will put him to death. And then, here it comes, the announcement of the resurrection. And the third day he shall rise again. So you see, today on Quinquagesima Sunday, we are given in preview, in advance, 
all of the mysteries that will unfold before our eyes during Holy Week, culminating in the glory of Pascha. And they understood none of these things. And this word was hid from them, and they understood not the things that were said. The church through the ages never tires of contemplating the passion of our Lord. Hearing the first part of today's gospel, we are put in mind of the sorrowful mysteries of the Holy Rosary and of the way of the cross. And I found myself repeating in my heart that splendid old monastic prayer. O oh, great passion, O oh, profound wounds, O oh, outpouring of blood, O oh, death suffered in every bitterness, be unto us healing and eternal life. That old prayer is in some way the application of the first part of today's gospel to our souls. It is a means by which we can take what is announced in mystery in the first part of today's gospel and apply it to our souls. Hold it there. Oh, great passion, oh, profound wounds of our pouring death suffered in every bitterness be to us healing and eternal life. In some way, the gospel could, might, have ended there with the prophecy of the passion and resurrection. But it doesn't. There's almost a second gospel within the gospel today. And that, of course, is St. Luke's account of the blind man who sat by the wayside begging. Why is the blind man presented to us today on Quinquagesima Sunday? In order that we might, each one of us, discover that we are, that I am, that you are that All his experience is your experience and mine. And the church, in the sacred liturgy, in the hours of the divine office, gives us the gospel of the Mass in little fragments. The Mass, of course, is always set into the frame, if you will, the context of the hours of the divine office. And the holy sacrifice illumines all of the hours of the divine office, and the hours of the divine office allow us to penetrate deeply into the grace that is, I want to say, on offer in the holy sacrifice on any given day. And so the gospel is broken up into little fragments for us. 
And each fragment is, in its own way, a means of entering into the grace of the gospel and allowing the gospel to penetrate us deeply, deeply. And so at prime, we have the antiphon, as Jesus was journeying, when he drew nigh to Jericho, a blind man cried unto him that he might receive his sight. I am that blind man, and so are you. And at Terse, just a few moments ago, the antiphon had us sing, as the Lord was passing by, a blind man cried out to him, Son of David, have mercy on me. He wanted to get Jesus' attention. He cried out. This was his moment. This was his chance. This was in his opportunity. Jesus was passing by. cast aside all pretense of social convention. And he cried out from the heart, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Look at me. Here I am. I need you. Stop for me. This is how we are to pray. This is the pattern of prayer. Prayer is always urgent. Prayer is not a matter of repeating pious formulas. Prayer is always urgent. Our life depends on it. And at the hour of sext, following Holy Mass today at half twelve, we shall sing the next fragment of the gospel. And they who went before the apostles rebuked him that he should hold his peace. Keep still. Stop that. Be quiet. You're making a scene. But what did he do? He cried out all the more, good man. Son of David, have mercy on me. He would not be silenced. This is a modern perseverance in prayer. At different hours and seasons of life, when we are trying to persevere in prayer, there are these niggling little voices that say, oh, stop it. Be quiet. Give up. It's all of no use. Just stop. Move on to something else. These are the classic temptations. In fact, the devil always has as his goal to get us to stop praying. 
grace is given to the man who thinks. And so it is in the devil's interest to impede the inpouring of grace into souls. And so he's always saying, stop, give it up. It's useless anyway. Poor apostles, they didn't know any better. In trying to get the blind man to keep quiet, they were doing the devil's work. They were doing the devil's work. Now, the intro to today's Mass gives us, what shall I call it, an amplification of the blind man's prayer. It spells out his prayer for us. And so I, I'm amazed when the Mass of Quinquagesima Sunday begins, allowing the blind man in the introit to give full voice to his prayer. We have to make that connection, you see. The Gospel only tells us part of his prayer. Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. But the intro it gives us the full development of his prayer. Be thou unto me a God, Jesus, a protector and a place of refuge to save me. And the blind man goes on in the introit. For thou art my strength and my refuge. And what confidence, what boldness in this prayer. And for thy name's sake thou wilt lead me and nourish me. Oops, sneaky eggs. Thou shalt be a leader unto me. Get a nucleus there, and thou shalt nourish. Of course, that last little phrase, get a nucleus there, and thou shalt nourish me, already points to the adorable mystery of our Lord's body and blood given us in Holy Communion, which is the sacrament of healing and of eternal life. And the verse of the introit has the blind man say, In thee, O Lord, in thee, O Jesus, have I hoped. Let me never be confounded, which means let me not be disappointed. Let me not be humiliated in the presence of those who would have me be silent and stop crying out. Deliver me in thy justice and save me. And so we have in the intro of the Mass the development of the prayer of the blind man. And this afternoon when we sing the hour of known, we shall have the fourth fragment of the Gospel, 
in the form of an elephant. The blind man cried out more and more, Maji Sak, Maji Splamabat. More and more did he cry out. The Lord would, the English translation says, give him sight. The Latin says something else, that the Lord would illumine him. That, of course, is a little key word in the liturgy because baptism is the sacrament of illumination. And so already on Quinquagesim Sunday, the church gives us this little word to point to the baptisms that will take place during the great Paschal Vigil. And you must believe that the use of this little word was not lost on the catechumens. They understood immediately, and it rekindled in them an even greater desire for the fire and the light of the great Paschal Vigil. And in this anthem also, blind man cried out more and more that the Lord would give him his sight. We are told how to pray by crying out always more and more. Temptation would be to cry out less and less, to become discouraged, to lose hope, to cry out less and less until one's prayer stops. And that, of course, is exactly where the devil wants us to be. He wants us to become discouraged, weary disconsolate, hopeless, despondent, and so give up hope. But in this gospel we are told how we are to pray, more and more crying out, asking the Lord to illumine us. And this is a prayer that our Lord will never refuse to answer, the prayer for life. We can make this prayer with complete confidence. Lord, 